Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another very special episode, we'll say a 4th of July week episode of Ignite Radio Live over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio. We're very blessed to be coming to you live from Damascus, the home of Catholic Youth Summer Camp, and uh, through the duration of this program, I think you're going to be very moved. We're going to be interviewing a number of people who are down here, and I think, you know, for we as a culture and a generation... Let's just face it. We read the papers and sometimes we feel helpless. We feel helpless over things taking place in the world around us. But have you ever experienced hope concentrate? Uh, down here, it's just, it's just like hope and delight concentrate. It's faith and hope and delight concentrate. And you know what I mean by that? Everywhere you go on this campus, you see people who are have smiles. And they all share this commonality, truthfully, of, of Lord, you made us for yourself. The Holy Spirit's not constrained to a location. The same Holy Spirit is everywhere. And uh, truthfully, just wanting us, if you will, to open our hearts and our minds and to be aware that God fashioned us for himself. So with no further ado, I am going to interview our very first person. Christy Jenkins is the Director of Communications. So Christy, share with us a little bit of the amazing unveiling story that is Damascus. Awesome. Yeah. So um, our organization, Damascus, this location has only existed for three years, as you said. But um, Catholic Youth Summer Camp has existed for, you know, about 18 years at this point, since 2001. And so it's been such a journey of just um, kind of following what the Lord is blessing. And um, he's been blessing us with more and more campers every year who are coming to our location and um, leaving revived and telling their friends and family and coming back more, wanting more the next year, wanting to go deeper into relationship with truly who Jesus is in their everyday life. And so um, as the Lord's blessing um, our camp community here, he's began to bless a year-round community. So Damascus serves parishes and schools all throughout the school year through retreats, through confirmation retreats and faith and science retreats and, um, yeah, as he's giving us more people to serve, he's also bringing p- more people here to serve um, in the church. So we've grown a missionary program to about 30 young people who are giving up a year after college or a year in college to just serve the young church, to serve um, teens who um, come here and leave with a stronger relationship with who Jesus is. Thanks, Christy. Share with us a little bit about maybe the heart of this campus in terms of its origins, because I think the flavor of the founders and those who are continuing this, uh, the fact that they are dynamic and could be successful anywhere, which I think is the story for all of you. You could be doing, quote unquote, anything in the world. We have two executive directors, Dan and Aaron, and they were they served as youth ministers in the Diocese of Columbus for about 15 years. Um, and so it's so neat to see the way that those years, formative years of youth ministry really have impacted our organization here and just allowed them to see what the need in the young church is um, and to want to share that um, with as many families as we can. And so that that is the mission of this campus. And so, um, you know, over the years, we went from, you know, running our camp out of a 12-foot truck, running around uh, the state of Ohio, um, renting different facilities to now owning 500 acres in Centerburg, Ohio. And um, the name Damascus comes from the fact that we want young people to come here to be awakened and empowered and equipped to live out their Catholic faith, just as St. Paul on the road to Damascus was knocked off his 
horse and had um, an amazing uh, conversion um, to who Jesus was. Um, We want people to come here and be knocked off their horse of maybe it's, you know, sports or maybe it's different um, lies they have about their identity or maybe um, whatever it is that's holding them back from just embracing who God has created them to be. Um, They come here for whether it's five days during their camp experience or three days during a retreat, um, and they are given that time away um, to just be awakened and um, sent forth to uh, bring this back to their communities. We talk about this often. Versus 30 years ago, we now have numerous moments of encounter. Tech, Crisio, Chirp, Ignite, Axe, you know, at some point maybe even, you know, certainly Catholic Youth Summer Camp in the last 15 years or whatever. But there's a sense here that this is meant to be more than a singular instance of encounter that is somehow uh, relegated to a place of memory after that week. There's a strong sense here that this can be lived, that this faith and this encounter of Christ is meant to overflow into, if you will, the ordinary world. You uh, folks, if you ever came down here, I'd encourage you to come down on a Friday. Call them, cysc.com. You can contact Christy and ask. Um, But, you know, come down for one of the closing masses. And um, the beauty of that is you see uh, that all these young people, what, 250 maybe? Okay, rough 250 young people, and their parents join them for this closing Mass, and they are not the same people. And the encounter in that Mass is one that unites them and kind of sets them up, if you will, for the road, having gone through the door, of living this out. And let's just keep it really honest, and I want you to maybe share with us, Christy, your experience. Um, we know that these families, maybe the light will dim even within a week or two weeks, um, but we know that it will be impressed upon their memory Do you see now, after a number of years, though, more and more coming back, or maybe the light has remained strong or even kind of been steady, steady over those years, that that, you know, impact wasn't just a moment? In what ways maybe do you see that light or examples that the light wasn't just that week-long experience? Yeah, of course. So um, it's been really cool, especially, you know, we do have campers who come every single year as um, campers, but we do have new campers as well. And um, it's been really neat, especially the campers who are returning turning, um, to have them come back and to actually just be excited to share, um, ways that they're living out their faith at home, you know, ways that, um, in their sports teams, they're, you know, leading the example, um, through praying as a team or being excited to share, um, you know, or, different moments they've had with their siblings um, where they've been a witness. It's been really cool um, to also speak to parents who come back the next year and are excited to share about different ways they saw, you know, the youngest in their family who was the first to come to CYSC to go home and to actually, you know, talk to some of their older siblings who have fallen away from the faith and say, no, I actually experienced who Jesus was and um, he wants to be part of your life too. Um, And I think that's the neatest part because we want them to go back to their parishes and schools. We Um, I was just talking to a camper last week and um, she was so excited because she said um, here at camp we, you know, had so much fun on the high adventure activities, um, you know, paintballing and jet skiing and all of that was great. But it was so neat to see that this year at camp they started talking about what it looks like to live out my faith as I go home on Tuesday. And so I had four days of learning how I'm going to continue to live a daily prayer life when I go home, how I can make um, going to Mass throughout the week and making sure I get there every Sunday a priority for me and my family. And that's truly what we want. Where you want to build up those parishes and schools um, to be places of encounter, just as Damascus is a place of encounter. 
That's so awesome. And if you're listening, folks, right now, again, Ignite Radio Live, Greg Solo down here. My wife is manning the ship back in Toledo, Ohio, but I'm blessed to be down here with four of my children and actually two nephews. So there's seven Schleters now on campus. I like to say we're bringing the purgatorial aspect, which is a prerequisite (laughs) to the resurrection. But anyways, no, as I'm hearing you speak, Christy, you know, I know adults may be thinking, where is this for me? You know, I want to experience this. Um, I want to be able to have a sustained uh, week of encounter. And I know that, folks, you can keep praying for that because God is blessing this place and the vision is abundant. And their core, of course, has been youth formation. Uh, Certainly adults are involved, but I do know there's a number of adults families, and then the vision is some vision of maybe family ministry, if you will, down the road, even though it, even young people involved. They're looking at doing quarterly praise and worship sorts of events here, uh, other points of contact like that, which if you've heard us, you know, we're delighted to be in partnership with them, and obviously MassImpact.us, we're um, prayerfully seeking to see this lit campus come about in our region, and you can find out more about that at massimpact.us. But Christy, um, it's just such a blessing to be with you, and I'm, I'm looking at you and the radiant glow of God's grace alive in you, but in particular, a uh, particular jewelry item that is on your <laughs> left hand, and uh, which is new, I think, since last time I interviewed you. So, um, you know, tell us, you know, how have you been personally impacted, and how is it, if you will, your experience here with Christ and with Damascus, if you will, colored your vision of future marriage and family life. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, So yes, I'm getting married in December. Very excited. Um, But yeah, I am so grateful for the formative years I've had here as a staff member, but truly um, just a missionary alongside of the people who, um, you know, are running so hard after the Lord because uh, it's given me a true sense of what my calling to the vocation of marriage is for, that um, as I run towards the Lord, that I'm going to have um, a partner, my fiance, Ben, um, running alongside of me. And um, it's just it's just so neat to know that um, I've been empowered in a way that, like, you know, living my relationship with Jesus isn't meant for just that hour of Sunday at Mass, but something I truly can live every day. I can live it when I'm at the grocery store. I can live it um, on my commute interceding for people. I can live it throughout um, relationships with friends, even ones who aren't practicing. You know, I can be um, an example and I can radiate who Jesus is um, to those different areas that can be very difficult to live out that can um, easily slip away from me, but to be constantly reminded um, of his presence. And so I'm just so grateful that I've experienced that here. That's awesome. Of course, Ben Rice is a household name down here, along with his, his brother Patrick Rice. Some of you folks may be familiar with his initiative with Encounter. And actually, I believe they are uh, bringing that Encounter event to Toledo, the Seagate Center, in January of 2019. So keep your eyes on that, Father Matthias, Father Thalen is involved with that. And some really exciting things. In fact, I'll tell you this, they're um, in the process of finalizing a video, and this is what they did just to pique your appetite or interest. Um, They went into a Catholic school and identified seven atheists, young atheists, 
And uh, they came in and did a program, if you will, interviewed these young people and uh, brought, if you will, their ministry of responding to the fullness of God alive in the Catholic faith. There's no other way to put it. We want all that God offers us. And so they came in and they, they offered this opportunity to encounter Christ, which involved some miraculous healings. Um, which we read in Scripture, signs and wonders will accompany them. They're not meant to be an end in themselves, but they're meant to be occasions of making us aware that our God is not a God of 2,000 years ago. Miracles are not just a historical account, but God wants to manifest his love and presence. Miracles, if you will, are a sign and wonder of the greatest miracle, which is our souls knowing and living for him. That's the greatest miracle. So that's kind of a a snapshot of what encounter is all about. So Christy, before we say goodbye, I want us to think about right now, um, maybe parents and grandparents who are listening, you're exposed to their age of children all the time. You're tuned to maybe things that that maybe their parents have have no idea of, or if they have an idea of maybe they don't hear often. So uh, share with us. Yeah, no, I just want to speak a word of encouragement to all parents and grandparents listening that you're amazing, um, that the sacrifices that you have poured out again and again for those that you love um, are not in vain, that the Lord is going to bless those, um, that your parents... um, and your your children, they see you um, and they're inspired by you and they want to be like you, even if right now they're in a phase where they pretend like they want nothing to do with you, um, that you're an encourager, that they want you to be their cheerleader, that they um, want you to be someone who's walking with you with them every day, that they want to spend quality time with you. Um, And so I just want to close us in prayer and just um, specifically all parents and grandparents listening right now, this is just a cry out to the Lord for you. So Jesus, I just ask that in the heart of every grandparent and parent listening right now, that you just stir up your Holy Spirit inside of their heart, that um, every every hurt or ache that is in them right now just be released in Jesus's name and that they would experience your peace in their lives and that right now um, that their ears would become open to hearing the cries of their children and the needs of their children's hearts and that um, you would give them the courage to speak truth to be a a proclaimer of truth over their children's lives that they can actually declare who you are and who you want to be in their lives Lord And we pray all this in your most holy name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Christy, for your time. And just be assured of our continued thoughts and prayers. You're tuned into Ignite Radio Live over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio. And we're so blessed to be with you down here at Damascus, the home of Catholic Youth Summer Camp. We just heard Christy Jenkins and really her beautiful testimony of being involved uh, here for a number of years and the origins of Catholic Youth Summer Camp and the amazing growth that has taken place over the last three years. And uh, what's really neat is just it, it was the yes of Dan and Aaron in those early days of just saying, we want to reach our generation. We've encountered Christ, and what we've received, and this is, I think, the powerful point for all of us folks, is what we've received, it can't end with us. It's got to overflow. It's got to be given away or it dies. 
I mean, that's just the simple truth. A message to me often, if I'm not, if you will be an instrument of that overflow, it will stagnate and it will die. And uh, they, they recognize that. And they had a brotherhood, if you will, between the two of them to say, hey, we're just going to do the churches. We're just going to do it at accessible places. And it's grown over those 15 years from kind of being migrant, going to different places, to bigger camps. And then three years ago, just God's anointing to literally build this place in the center of Ohio. Centerburg is the actual name of the city, and a multi-million dollar campus, an adventure campus where there's a lot of adventure things. There's jet skis and ropes and all kinds of fun things, and they weave the faith into it. So whether you're a grade school young person or a high school young person, you know, over the summer, I think 15, 16, 1800 people Maybe 2,300. Like I said, 2,300 people uh, get to experience a week of deepening encounter with Christ in the fullness of our Catholic faith. Um, If you've ever been here or been to an experience like this, by the way, I don't think there's anything like it, um, you will very quickly recognize how adept these young people are. They want to be given permission to experience God in an unstuffy way. I mean, that's as direct as I can put it. You know, they go to Mass maybe on Sunday ordinarily, and they're the same kids. They go to Mass and maybe they're bored or whatever else, but there's something about a place, and I think the word is intentionality. I think they come in and they they get the moment they walk in this place and maybe versus our parishes, they get that those people who are here are here with a conviction that God is here and that God wants to work powerfully, that God is relevant. And hopefully you're going to hear that message again and again through the testimony, which I think is, by the way, one of the most powerful assets of this place, the testimony of the young adults who said yes to giving up. Maybe it's a summer, some of them, some of them it's a year, and some of them it's a full-time staff. So I've got a one, one such of a dedicated young adult with me, A.J. D'Angelo. He is the activity director. Give me a little bit about your origin. What drew you to Damascus Catholic Youth Summer Camp, and what is your role here? Yeah, so I grew up in the Cleveland area, a town called North Royalton, a faithful Catholic family. We grew up just doing the right things. I just knew what to do and to do it. Um, I got involved with youth group in high school, but by the time my senior year rolled around, the parish ended up trying to move the youth ministry to a part-time position, and so it all fell apart. Um, I got to college, and I didn't really pursue the Lord in any way. I knew there were many options available at Ohio State, um, but I didn't see a desire to pursue them. And so I was pursuing my worldly desires. I got a degree in chemical engineering. And in the time of doing that, um, I was planning on pursuing a uh, doctorate degree or a master's, going and getting a great job, getting married, having a happy life, uh, and going to Mass on Sundays. Um, And it was in the middle of my college experience during my sophomore to junior summer um, where I had this perfect life set up for myself. And after about five weeks of my perfect life, perfect internship, I was completely dissatisfied, <laughs> and I was so confused because everything had lined up. I had great money in this internship. I had like a great living uh, situation. I had all the friends I could want, yet every day I came home, and I was more and more dissatisfied. And so a dear mentor of mine, a good friend, encouraged me as I was living in this house um, to go across the street and go to Mass every day. And as I went to Mass every day, um, I didn't experience much for the first two days, but on the third day, uh, just in the depths of my heart, in the quiet, I heard the Lord speak, and he said, I am the only one that could ever satisfy you. I'm the one thing that you'll ever need. Um, 
end up being an analytical engineer, I uh, couldn't take that at face value. And so I put the, uh, the Lord to the test a little bit. And I gave him five problems that I had that I couldn't fix. And I said, Lord, if you really want me to give you my all, I need these five things fixed for me because I can't do them on my own. Um, and I kind of wrote that in my journal and put it aside for the next few months. And I came back to it three months later and everything was checked off. And so I was like, okay, Lord, everything's yours now. I guess um, we're going to just do this thing. Um, and so at that point, I knew I was either going to be a missionary or a priest. Um, and I discerned the priesthood for a couple years. Uh, the Lord called me out of that. And so going into uh, my senior year, I knew I was being called to the missionary life. Um, a dear friend of mine, Brad Piron. Uh, who works here at Damascus as well, um, one day out of the middle of nowhere, uh, just asked if we wanted to get a drink. And so we got together, and we're sitting down, um, and I'm telling him all my plans for the future, all these plans that I've tried to specially craft in order to make them work for like my desires and my dreams and my goals, um, things that I've constructed. And uh, he just listens patiently. And then when I done finish talking, uh, he proposes what Damascus is doing. Um, still in his infancy stages, but what the vision and the goals and the dreams are for this organization, this ministry. And my heart was just lit on fire. I, I have a background in the outdoors with Boy Scouts and things like that. And uh, when I heard about this place, um, the Holy Spirit just moved in me. Um, and so over the course of the next few months, uh, discernment happened, things like that happened. Um, and long story short, I, uh, I'm currently starting my second year of full-time mission with Damascus Catholic Mission Campus. Um, this summer, I'll be acting as uh, one of the activity directors for the camp. Um, and uh, we really just get the opportunity to uh, set up the encounter for all the students who will encounter Jesus this summer. Um, I won't necessarily have them one-on-one, -on -one, but I'll get to show them the Lord in a, uh, a powerful way by the way that we set everything up for them. AJ, I'm just like blown away hearing you speak right now, and I, I have to give praise to God in a fresh new way, because I didn't know you, mm -hmm. didn't know your story. Uh, I've been, for the couple days, really a day and a half I've been here so far, clearly Dan and Aaron have placed you in a position of responsibility. And uh, so you, we hap I happened upon you just a few moments ago, and I said, hey, we're, you know, we're doing this program for uh, Ignite Real Live, and you willingly jumped right in the seat. And, um, and, and folks, just what a, what a blessing of God's treasure in a soul that comes to know that he is Lord I love that root word, Lord, you see it in, in Dom, my, my son Dominic, or to have dominion. It's the Lord, to have dominion over all. And, you know, obviously we're on a journey and not going to pronounce you as Saint just yet, AJ. Uh -huh. We're getting close. But, you know, but no, the beauty that you had what the world regards as valuable, as you describe, which is a perfect, beautiful testimony. You're a smart kid. You're in engineering, you know, slacker major. I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, you're, 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 um, you're pursuing things with responsibility and and you're setting up, as you say, for yourself, a life that, that corresponds to maybe secular values. But the shift of recognizing, recognizing that all of that is a capacity, but without a compass, where is that car going? You know, where is it leading you? And, and that awakening in you that stirred up that uh, awareness of God that took all those competencies of being able to figure things out, being able to lead, you know, the friendship aspect, and to see it, you know, if you were heightened to a level you never would have would have expected. So you're not making the big bucks that you could ordinarily be making. You're not, if you will, in a position that many around us would say, oh, he's a such and such engineer of something. But you're exuding a joy. 
Let me ask you a question. Um, so that happened to you. What was it like when you came here and you found <laughs> a veritable sea uh, of young adults and young people experiencing the same thing? What was it like to know, if you will, that you're not alone? What did that do, I don't know, to reinforce or validate this experience of God alive in our Catholic faith? Well, it was a real and true experience of hope. Seeing, as you said, a sea of witnesses around us is an incredible blessing. It's a daily challenge where I was used to being the the big fish in the pond, uh, moving to a place where everyone's big fishes and they're ready to pursue the Lord with everything and just calls you on deeper and higher up um, to the glories that God has for us. Um, Yeah, this past year living in a house with uh, seven other men, 800 square feet, um, things were a little bit intense, but it was so good because it forced us um, in a way to reorient ourselves so that God received all the glory. Mm. That's one of my biggest things lately. I think those simple prayers that we have, the Our Father, the Hail Mary, the Glory Be, are so powerful. And um, the Glory Be especially has been hitting me lately that everything we do in our lives, everything we do in our lives is designed to give God the greatest glory. All the students, all the young people we bring to Jesus is so that they can recognize him as Lord, so they can devote their life to him and bring him more glory. Because I think God loves more than his own glory um, because he's God. And uh, it's so good when you can realize that it's not about us. It's not about our own glory. It's not about anything that we can see as doing ourselves, but instead what can the Lord receive from what we're doing. Um, and having that shift of mindset um, just transforms the way that I was able to serve. AJ, that's very moving. And in fact, um, for our listening audience, I, I simply want to take what you just said there about glory and share a very quick testimonial. Uh, somebody in our community that who many of you folks know, we'll just say Rich, uh, found that he had cancer. Uh, very surprising. He's a young father, a young husband, um, and he's somebody who I'm, I've come to discover as uh, just a good friend, a humble person who gives himself for the kingdom in many, many ways. And upon discovering this, the reoccurrence a second time, you know, I was actually on retreat with him when it came back, or he was kind of concerned the second time on a silent retreat with him. And he shared with me, you know, that during that week, he became aware and owned that all is for God's glory. And he found his heart praying, Lord, I lift this up for your glory. So that word that you're saying, even in the context of a life-threatening disease, a life-threatening illness, you know, you know, with children who still need him. Um, you know, children always need us, but they're younger children who need him and a wife. And to see his wife really exude a sense of confidence in God. You know, I, I do think um, we're meant to pray uh, in the name of Jesus to renounce cancer, which we do right now in the name of Jesus. We ask, Lord God, for healing uh, of rich, of this cancer collectively united in seeking you, Lord. And all those who have cancer right now, Lord, we just lift this up in prayer and do ask, Lord, that um, this cancer, uh, we speak to the cancer, we ask that it be healed, that, uh, that it leave in the name of Jesus Christ. That said, sometimes my son and I talking about this and blessed by my friend Rich, you know, my son said, you know, many of us are called to give perhaps even greater glory to God by patiently enduring suffering. Um, how many saints do we know of who 
were made saints for being healed versus how many saints do we know were made saints for patiently enduring suffering? Vast many more were uh, for patiently enduring suffering. So the word that you give, AJ, um, I think is very powerful. Let me ask you the question also. So Damascus, I think often they really ought to make this, maybe they already have a marketing thing, the mass is in the middle of Damascus. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously it's, it is so powerful. And we have evangelical friends who listen to this program also, and they, they seek after God with their whole heart, mind, body, and soul. And everything we've said thus far, they would resonate with. Let me ask you the question. As a young adult who is a journeyer and has, has been conquered in a powerful experience, how in particular have you as a Catholic discovered the power of the richness of our Catholic faith and the Mass in particular. Yeah, it's no mistake that here at Catholic Summer Camp, the Mass is the nucleus of every day. That every day at the peak of everything is going to be the Mass. Um, it's so critical to even just like spiritual functioning. Um, I've noticed that in my own life. When I, when I fall out of practice of receiving the Blessed Sacrament daily, um, life is just more challenging. Um, because there's so much grace that's involved in that. Um, it's so good, too, to uh, come to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't have the right words to give to you, but you have thousands of years where your Holy Spirit has created the right words. And so I submit my control, my desire to lead this time to you and let you give yourself the most glory to the words that you desire. Um, and the Mass is just so beautiful in that, where we can experience that uh, pure solitude with the Lord in the midst of a community. And then once we experience that solitude, come back together as a community and really be united as one, going forth from there to ignite the world on fire. Um, And with that, as I'm sure you know, Greg, just uh, being able to experience Eucharistic adoration as well. Every morning I start with at least one hour of Eucharistic adoration. And uh, the Lord just empowers us through that. I have no other words I really to describe it than saying, like, through that time I have every morning, he gives me power to do what I do in the day. And whether or not I'm fully uh, awake and present in that morning time uh, or whether um, I'm struggling some mornings, um, he still chooses to pour his blessings out because of our faithfulness. And that's what's so beautiful, I think, about the Mass every Sunday is that every Sunday we can go. Uh, for some of us who are blessed, we can go every day. And... It, because of our faithfulness to the Lord, his faithfulness is all the greater, and he pours out his blessings and his graces abundantly through that. AJ, so blessed by you. I know you need to attend to some other people demanding your attention, but I know there are adults right now, so on a final note here, there are adults who are listening to you and saying, I got one of those. I got a, a son or a daughter in their 20s, and they're talented and they're gifted, and maybe they go to Mass, maybe they don't, but God is just not alive for them. How do I get an AJ? How does AJ happen to my kids? What maybe simple word of advice might you give to grandparents and parents with children in their late teens or in their 20s who they have such high hopes and expectations that they truly have this kind of living encounter with Christ? Can you offer any words of encouragement? I would say first and foremost, love them. Love them how you know best. Um, For some kids, that's just making them brownies or cookies or whatever it might be. Um, And just expressly show them that love is from Jesus. Um, The second thing I want to ask is that it's so good for us to pray for people, but what if we could be people who pray with people? So instead of praying for your grandson, instead of praying for your son or your daughter um, or your nephew or niece, pray with them. 
And in the name of Jesus, just call them into deeper love with him because there's something powerful about being able to step out of your comfort zone and meet someone where they're at. Um, there's something transformative about that experience where they get to no longer uh, see you as calling down from a high tower to them down on the ground, but instead you coming down and bring them up with you um, just simply by encountering them in that prayer time. That's awesome. I'm going to put you on the spot. Can you lead us in a, a little prayer, uh, all of who are listening right now, just for God's grace, whatever's on your heart to pray with us. Lead us in prayer right now. Yeah. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this time. I ask that right now, in the name of Jesus, all hardened hearts would be softened in Jesus' name. That anyone who's listening right now would be emboldened with the fire of the Holy Spirit to go forth and proclaim life into the hearts that are broken in their life. That anyone who is lost would be found. That all those who are listening to this would encounter the Lord Jesus Christ right now. And it be imbued with his eyes so that when they pursue the sheep, they can see them. And when they speak his words, the sheep will hear him. Lord, right now, I just ask that you bless everyone right now, especially those that these people are praying for, that they would be open to your Holy Spirit, Lord, ready for conversion, fertile soil for your seeds to be planted. We ask it all in Jesus' most holy name. Amen. Amen. Folks, you're tuning into Ignite Radio Live. Just very blessed to be journeying with you, certainly through this program, but hopefully uh, a small little taste of what life is meant to be like. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could be side by side all the time with brothers and sisters in Christ who are striving after the heart of God, occasions of encouragement, and yes, and accountability. Well, we're experiencing that down here at Damascus, the home of Catholic Youth Summer Camp. And I just want to just say to you, blessed to hear AJ's amazing testimony and Christy before him, just this is what God desires. This is what God desires of our families. This is what he desires of our neighborhoods. This is what he desires of our communities. And he, he simply offers it to us all the time. And maybe, you know, why isn't it happening? Maybe right now it, it, we have a decision to say, Lord, you know, make me more aware of you. Make, you know, make it an occasion of overflow to my spouse and to my family closest to us. He wants to do that. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Ignite Radio Live. We're so blessed to have you all with us on this night and just praying in this week of independence that, you know, we're mindful of the heart of that. It's an independence from what? The yoke of sin, uh, the yoke of slavery, um, so many lies around us. And uh, God wants us to be free from all of that. And really, truthfully, if you study the heart of the origins of our nation, it was people who were emboldened and moved to want to live in the freedom that God destined them for. And certainly politically, we tend to maybe focus just on the political aspect of it. But the heart of that political were a faith-filled people. Um, They're people who gave their lives. It was so important to them to give their lives for the hope that future generations, that you and I right now would have the blessing of a land where we can generally worship God without fear of reprisal or violence. I know that that, you know, may be more of a challenge is being stretched these days. So we do know that the seams there more than ever are needing to be uh, transformed. You're hearing that testimony being given from um, young adults that we're interviewing down here at Catholic Youth Summer Camp. They're awakening young adults and young people, and I even say adults, those of us parents who experience our young people come back, they're awakening us to that sense of the freedom God wants us to have in his spirit. It's not a freedom to do whatever we want. It's not a freedom based upon what we can do. It's a freedom that corresponds to our nature, 
our unsurpassed nature as sons and daughters of God in Jesus Christ. And even as I say that, I'm mindful of how easy that slips into cliche. So I'm very blessed to have another beautiful young adult with us, and I hope I get her name right, Gina Sisudi. Sakudi. Sakudi. So close. Oh my so goodness. Sakudi. So I have been blessed to see Gina coming here for a few years now. She is a beautiful young woman and she has been involved with this camp. And she, like Christy, I believe has a similar recent circumstance. I see a piece of jewelry on her hand also. So we're just going to start <laughs> there. You know, Gina, you're engaged and you, you're here yes. at Damascus you, Catholic Youth Summer Camp. And, you know, just kind of weave that together. What does that you know, what does that mean for you, being on this campus and being engaged with regard to the purpose of your life? Wow, that's a loaded question, <laughs> but a really, really good one and a very important one. Um, I So I'm going to start with how I got involved because that actually relates to my vocation now. But I became involved because I was a camper when I was in sixth grade. So I'm 25 now, so a long time ago. <laughs> and I came here Kind of accidentally, my friend invited me to camp. My family was not outdoorsy at all. So the fact that I ended up at a camp was a miracle in and of itself. And we were, at that point in time, Damascus didn't have their own campsite. So we were at uh, just like a rental campsite. We walk into my cabin, and my bed is in a closet, like a very small closet where (laughs) clothes go, not people. (laughs) And it had something green growing on it and my parents were like are you sure you want to stay here and I was like yeah I committed I'm gonna make it through the week and not only did I make it through the week but I experienced an authentic like you were saying earlier an authentic love and joy that I had never experienced in my whole entire life and it was so attractive and there was a place in me that responded to it because I needed it and I didn't know in that moment that um that joy and that love had a name, and that was Jesus. And so the journey of basically the rest of my life was just getting to know that reality and then falling deeper in love with the person of that reality who was Jesus. And camp has played an integral part of that journey. So I now in my life want to give whatever I can so that others can walk that journey. I want to walk with them. I want to pray with them. I want to grow with them. So my fiancé actually was a missionary here back in the beginning so we met through through camp and through youth group and youth group kind of happened because dan and aaron were involved in camp they got involved in youth ministry and so my fiance and i met in youth group on a mission trip to appalachia so it's just funny how the lord works (laughs) and so i Just a small little testimonial portion. Um, I actually never really thought I would get married. I was like, oh, it would be so much easier for me personally to be a sister or to be single and to just serve and do mission work. Um, I was like, oh, yeah, I, I don't think I would struggle being obedient and with chastity and purity and with, um, not having to like, worry about bills and the traditional societal sense of bills and debt and all of that. So I was like, yeah, Lord, that's, that's what you want for me. And actually what the Lord spoke was, you know what, Gina, just because it's easier doesn't mean that that's what I'm calling you to. And doesn't mean that that's what's going to sanctify you. 
And so in Andy and I's friendship, the Lord just opened up these little moments where he was like, this is a person who runs after the cross in a different way and who's going to push you to become the best that you can be. And you've seen that in your friendship that started with camp and with youth group. Um, and I'm, I'm calling you into deeper love and deeper friendship. So I'm so excited to see what the Lord has in store for us because I think it's a life of mission and of joy and of passion, of authenticity, and of bringing others to that reality. So, yeah, that's that's what I got right now. Gina, that is awesome. You know, I want to linger on this point because I think it may be of interest. I know it will be of our listeners, and that is the point of courtship, the point of discovering God's plan alive in sexuality. And obviously God designed sexuality, built desire into that, folks. I like to say, you know, none of you desire your wives or women any less than I do for my wife. And that is not its own validation for, right, just to desire her. But desire corresponds to God's design of desire. It, it, it works within a shape. It works within a bounds. And I can go beyond those bounds. And every time if I chose to do that, I would be hurt by that. So I'm cueing you a little bit as a young woman uh, in a generation that has different ideas about desire sexual desire in particular, and different ideas about relationships. Like, you know, you don't live together. Come on, you know, shouldn't you try the car out before you take it for a ride and that sort of thing? You're, you're, you're steeped in all that. So I want to hear your beautiful young adult voice maybe share how you've navigated to the truth that you and Andrew have come to accept and why is it better? Speak to your peers. Yeah. So I think the best thing we ever did was trust God's timing. So like if we would have dated in high school, we would not be getting married. For us personally, we didn't know who we were. We didn't know whose we were. And therefore, I think things like purity and sexuality would have been so much more confusing for us in relationship with one another. So I had formation through camp and just knew my identity. And he actually entered seminary and discerned the priesthood for two years and had formation that way and just had already, he knew, he knew that God wasn't calling him to that, but he knew who he was in the midst of maybe being unsure about his vocation. He knew who he was. And therefore, when we entered into friendship, we were solely entering into friendship with the eyes of friendship and no motives outside of that. And as the Lord brought us deeper into friendship, we, we grew to love one another for everything that we were and who we were outside of the sexual reality. And that's because we were rooted in Christ. Our fulfillment and validation didn't come from one another. It came from Christ. And when you're practicing that emotionally, it translates, I think, personally, sexually. So we we practiced self-control. We practiced appropriate boundaries. Like, hey, we're not going to like certain times of the day, we're not going to engage in these conversations or we're not going to be alone in these areas. And that looks different for every person just because it worked for us doesn't mean it works for everyone. But what stands is we're not living together because that's, we're not, we're not going to do that because the church tells us not to and we respect the church. Um, we're not having sex before marriage because once again, the church tells us not to and Jesus gave authority to the church and we respect the authority of the church. And Maybe there are moments where it's challenging, and maybe there are moments where we don't fully understand it, but we, we choose faith 
because ultimately the Lord desires our goodness. And we've seen that in the little things. And we know that the Lord is going to bless that in all of the big things. And trust me, we've had a year and a half engagement, people. Like, we are crazy for thinking that a year and a half engagement was like the best choice. But it's what the Lord wanted for us, and He has blessed it. And in that, I've received more peace. But there have been many moments where I was like, I just want to go home to my house because he's living in the house that we will live in. Like, yes, I want that. And I'm paying rent and he's paying a mortgage and it doesn't make practical sense. But we know that God blesses all practicals, even if we don't understand them. And I think for me personally, the peace that has come in that has been so beautiful. And so if I was speaking to other young people, which I do all the time because I'm a youth minister, I... I constantly just encourage and testify to the reality of my life because that's what I know. I know how the Lord has worked in my life. And there's also so many statistics that relate and support those like practicals that the Lord blesses. So I share testimony. I share those like practical um, statistics that we have that suggest that the divorce rate is lowered when you don't have sex before marriage. The divorce rate is lowered when you don't live with one another before marriage. And we as Catholics actually aren't um, exempt from the reality of divorce. I think sometimes we go in thinking that we're like above that. We're not going to be affected by that. And that's not actually the reality. You look at the statistics of the church and it suggests otherwise. And so we need to live above reproach. And we need to ask for the intercession of the saints and angels. And we need to live in a manner worthy of the call that we have received. And for my fiance and I, that's we're called to holiness in our marriage. And that looks like not having sex before marriage, not living together before marriage, and really protecting one another's purity emotionally and physically. Yeah, we have to have hard conversations. And I think sometimes also in society today, we're told that relationships are easy and you go in and you take what you want and then you move on if you want to. And we've actually experienced the contrary in our relationship and that is we're committed in in the hard stuff and the messy stuff. And we talk about it and we ask the Holy Spirit to enter into those conversations and we make action points and we encourage one another and we don't shy away from the challenge and the hard topics. And we've had a lot of conversations about hard topics. Gina, you're amazing. And of all of that sacrifice, probably none surpass the fact that you're going to lose the name Sakuti. <laughs> I got that right. Yes. Boom. Yes, you so, did. So tell me, you know, I was teasing with you a little bit before and yeah. I delighted with you as you were, you know, inheriting uh, a different name, shall we say, which is beautiful also. But, you know, share with us a little <laughs> bit about that. So I'm the oldest of four girls, Italian family, and my last name is Sakuti. And I really, really, really like my last name a lot. <laughs> one of the reasons is my family owned an Italian bakery. And it's one of those things where people hear Sakuti and they're like, oh yeah, the bakery. And they have all these stories. And I get to like hear the history of my family through my last name and other people like knowing my last name. So one thing is very challenging is that I, I, I will receive and joyfully take on the last name Whiteman, which is about one of the least exciting last names I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> but, and for a while, guys, I wrestled with this. I was like, maybe we can hyphenate it, but then my kids need to learn Sakuti Whiteman hyphenated or Whiteman Sakuti hyphenated, and that would just be cruel punishment. So I'm not going to do that to, <laughs> God willing, our future children. And um, 
I, I realized in this process of desiring to hold on to my last name that I couldn't go into marriage selfish. And ultimately, that's what I was doing by desiring to keep my last name simply for the sake that I didn't like his. <laughs> like, that was a little, that's a little ridiculous. And I was like, okay, I just need, I just need to not be selfish. So I will joyfully on October 12th be taking on the last name Whiteman and I will be Gina Whiteman and I will be Gina Whiteman loud and proud. And yeah. <laughs> that is so awesome. And let's face it, folks, a name is important. And for you to just really give up your family namesake and for many women, let's just acknowledge it and not be maybe judgmental about folks who maybe struggle with that. But what a beautiful theology. Of, of surrendering oneself totally, heart, mind, body. So we say to image the Trinity. We're called to image the Trinity. Mutual self-giving love is really awesome. Gina, you're an amazing testimony for Christ and just what he's done in your life. And you're speaking life through the context of your, your relationship with Andrew is really, really awesome. Um, one final minute, though. I'm going to put you on the spot. If all of the world of youth and young adults, you had a captive audience with them right now for one minute, what is on your heart to say most to them right now? Stop going to all the empty wells. I are just to share a little bit. Our youth group theme this year was, are you hungry? And our first right off the bat, we talked about the woman at the well. And I, I wrestled so much because the Lord asked me to share my testimony in its fullness and it's messy. And there are topics in it that people cringe when they hear those words and I was I was very nervous because I was like Lord I don't I don't know how they're going to respond and he was like Gina the message they need to hear the most is not to go to all the empty wells and the best way to tell them that is to share that you've been to all the empty wells and there's nothing there there is nothing there and so I stepped out in faith and I shared that and the response was amazing and it's because I think the Lord is trying to tell this generation to stop going to empty wells and stop being so concerned about instant gratification. We're not entitled to comfort on this earth, guys. Our comfort is in heaven the moment we meet Jesus and we want for nothing. That's our comfort. And so we need to run like heck toward that comfort with the reality that sometimes the cross is uncomfortable. But it's through the Lord rezoning those comfort zones that we will receive the fullness of heaven. And the empty wells that, that society tries to throw at us have nothing, and we need to stop waiting until we've scraped the bottom of all of them to change. I'm just I'm going to replay this podcast again and again, and just I hope folks are really listening to this. And if you missed it, I'm going to say right now, you're going to hear it on the podcast. Go to igniteradiolive.com. It will be up very soon if you're hearing this now. And fast forward to this part. Uh, of Gina just sharing that beautiful, powerful message. I think it's going to be a great episode all the way through, but certainly that particular part I think is is um, particularly powerful and poignant. Um, Gina, let's close, if you don't mind, if you'll just lead us in a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit. We just acknowledge your presence wherever we're at right now in this moment. And Lord, I ask that you would just fill every person listening with more of you. I I pray that you would deepen a hunger and a desire for the authenticity of relationship with the heart of the Father. That yes, religion is good, the church is good, it's all important, but Lord, you want us to know your heart and you want us to share our hearts. And Lord, I ask right now, just 
healing and freedom in any places of empty wells that people have scraped, whether that's they've scraped it once or they've dug time and time again. Jesus, in your name and by your power, I just pray freedom from a desire from that. And I pray that in this moment, the desire for that empty well would just be transformed into a desire for you, for more of your living water, for more of your abundant life. Lord, I pray for the families listening. I pray for wherever people are at with their vocation. Those listeners, Lord, I pray right now that you would just bless and speak truth and clarity into families and vocations. And Lord, lastly, I just ask, Holy Spirit, for more purity of heart in every person, in every relationship, and in every moment to follow this. Mother Mary, I ask for your intercession. I ask that you would continue to lead us by your example of virtue, of perfect virtue. And I pray that we would all just be more deeply surrendered to the heart of our Father in heaven. Jesus, I pray all of this in your most holy and all-powerful and victorious name. Amen. So for our final interview, I'm very blessed to have my uh, Bob Marley look-and-ask brother here in Christ, Noah Gilchrist. Do you actually get annoyed when people make that comparison? No, I love it. He had great dread, so. Okay, awesome. Noah, just, just get right to it. Share with us a little bit about your story of having encountered Christ, and um, how has that really been uh, an awesome opportunity for overflow here at Damascus? Yeah, so I grew up in a, an awesome Catholic family on the east side of Columbus, um, my prayer experience growing up was that of praying before uh, my basketball game and praying to get a good grade on the test. Neither of those happened very often, so you could say my relationship with Jesus was a little bit sketchy. But uh, that's, that's what it essentially consisted of until my eighth grade year uh, when my father was actually diagnosed with cancer. And so this kind of shifted a lot of different things in my life. And I began to look at God and see, you know, and just begin to ask a lot of those questions of why do good things or bad things happen to good people? Uh, if a good God is a good God, then why are these bad things happening? Those kinds of questions. And so uh, basically what ended up happening was I went into a time of, I would say, unbelief in who God was or God even existing. And throughout that time, I began to distance, distance myself from my family a lot, get into all the things that high schoolers get into. Uh, as I went into the high school realm of things and, uh, you know, sports, relationships, friendships, uh, academics took up and consumed my time and my identity. Uh, so fast forward a little bit. Uh, my father ended up uh, passing away in between my sophomore and junior year. So, of, of course, that was a devastating time. And it, it was kind of a pivotal time where I could choose to go and kind of, um, you know, embrace my family, love them, um, help them out in their time of, of need as well as my time of need. Or I could kind of drown things out and dive back into the the party scene, this, that, and the other that high schoolers deal with. And so I chose the latter, unfortunately, and this led me into an even uh, just deeper place of woundedness and hurt and, you know, guilt. Um, And so that continued until uh, midway through my junior year. I didn't have any of my service hours, and uh, I needed 24 service hours in, in the span of essentially three days. And so uh, I saw an opportunity, classic procrastinator, by the way, that's, that's something that I was real bad at, but uh, I saw an opportunity to go on the March for Life trip where I could miss three days of school and get all of my service hours in and not really do anything. And so me being the person that I was at that time in my life, that was the best thing that I could ever ask for. Uh, and so I went on the trip, ended up being a retreat led by a great man. Um, 
I showed up. I was pretty surprised. I was uncomfortable with everybody raising their hands, this, that, and the other. I'd never been uh, to adoration before. So all of this was kind of foreign and weird to me. Uh, but what I did see was a man who was running this retreat by the name of Dan Dimite, mm-hmm. who really believed what he said. Uh, he really believed that what he believed was really real. And that was a really cool um, and kind of just awesome thing that I saw in person that I saw. Um, and I, it really just shook me up uh, and made me realize that that Jesus is a real person um, and that he, he, can, he can absolutely transform our lives. And so moving on from that point, I also had three other friends on that trip who uh, really decided to go from one way of living, which was the party lifestyle that brought a lot of emptiness, to uh, another way of living, which is this Christ-centered life that is transformative and that fills your cup. Um, and so I just I went from this life of emptiness to this life of overflow. And um, moving forward from there, I saw my youth group really change. I started going to the youth group that Dan was a leader of. We started off with eight kids, and within nine months grew it to 120 kids, um, to 120 kids that were from our high schools, um, from our parishes, this, that, and the other. And we brought them together um, all, all under one name, Jesus Christ, and um, really began to love the sacraments began, and because they were coming alive to us in the Holy Spirit. And so, yeah, that, that happened. And then moving forward, I went and served a year with a ministry in Minnesota, came back from there, and now I've been with Damascus for going into my third year. What is happening here in a way that you know is possible for every young person, every person on this planet? Just, you know, speak it. Yeah, so what I see happening here um, is just this incredible, I used this word earlier, but overflow, um, just this incredible outpouring of, of the Holy Spirit, and we're just watching it unfold before us. And what I don't want anyone to believe is that this is an outpouring or an overflow just for Damascus, uh, that this outpouring and this overflow is open to every person who has a receptive heart. What we've been blessed with here at Damascus is um, a, a good amount of leaders and people who are just really receptive and open to what God wants to do in our time, in our generation. And so what I would encourage is just um, let's have an open heart. Let's have an open heart receptive to God, what God wants to do, because he's not uh, a one-place God or a one-person God. He's an everyone God, and we have access to him. Is it possible for parents to create that kind of atmosphere in their homes? What does it look like, and what steps can they take to do it? Uh, I most definitely believe that this is absolutely um, not only possible but essential uh, to every family, um, and it's not easy. I don't want to say for a second that it's easy. Um, something that I've began to do with my family um, as I've kind of taken up some leadership when I'm home and such is is just simply opening the door uh, to praying with each other. Very simple. What I do is I don't even have a good voice, but I play a little bit of guitar, and what we do is we gather, um, you know, around 9 p.m. when my siblings are about to go to bed and uh, my family's getting ready for the night. And we just focus ourselves on the Lord. I play some worship. It's not very good, but uh, nonetheless, it's worship. And so we center ourselves around a time of, of praising and worshiping God and, and living in gratitude for what he's done that day. And you would be shocked and surprised about what God decides to do after. It's the simple step of opening the door uh, that releases the outpouring that we see here at Damascus, the outpouring that I'm seeing in my family. Uh, it's, it's that opening of the door, being open. 
Amen. Thanks so much, Noah, for being with us. And just be assured of our continued prayers as our entire community here in Northwestern uh, Ohio and uh, throughout the world on the podcast, IgniteRadioLive.com. Folks, just very blessed to be on this journey with you. A little commercial, um, just go to ILoveMyFamily.us. Check it out, ILoveMyFamily.us this week. Uh, billboards are going up throughout our city, and there are occasions for us to be united. You know, positive proclamation can change the atmosphere. Uh, I encourage you to think of that just that message in your own home. A positive proclamation encouragement can change the atmosphere. Imagine if we were united all the more in proclaiming this throughout our whole region. And that's what we're trying to do. We invite you to join us and find out more at ilovemyfamily.us. We wish you abundant blessings as we continue our journey throughout the summer. God bless you.